Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back, everyone, to the Creator Spotlight here on the Spotlight. I'm still Jeremy Lambert. That's still Stephen Jensen. And the man below us is a face you know, a face you love, a punchable face, according to many people in the world of wrestling. But many, Some who we've had on this show. Some who we've had on this show. He's a host on Fight TV, host of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, uh, with Matt Hardy, uh, Strictly Business with Eric Bischoff. You see him on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. He's Bruce Springsteen's number one fan. He's a damn Emmy Award winner. He is John Alba. John, how you doing, buddy? We got to talk about this whole punchable face thing. <laughs> what? Because I listen to the spotlight. Okay? Sorry. Pay attention. Pay attention. And it seems that anytime you have a guest that has ever worked <laughs> with me in any capacity, you immediately just resort to asking him about how punchable my face is. Yeah. It's like, is that your icebreaker? Is that your way yeah. of getting them comfortable? Yes. Because <laughs> like, I know. I know they're going to crack up at the answer. Like, you know what? That's that's pretty true. John Alvin does have a punchable face. <laughs> is, is that your way of being like, hey, here's some small talk? Yes. That is uh, you nailed talk. it. That's that's literally exactly what's happening. Okay. All right. I'd say I'm flattered, but that would be a lie. So you you uh, can't say that it doesn't work, John. Everybody, hey, whatever works. My one mentality that I always carry with me is never yuck anyone's yum. And if that's your yum, then hey, more power to you. Everyone laughs. They give a smile. They give a nice answer. They're like, ah, all right, yeah. We're 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 just. What's the nice answer? That yes, I have a punchable face. Is that the nice answer? Yeah. (laughs) Some people take pride in this, John Alba. (laughs) Okay. I guess you know. I will. The next time we have a guest on who is is in uh, your vicinity, my periphery. uh, Yeah, seven (laughs) seven. uh, What's seven degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon? Next time I have a guest on, I will ask about your beautiful hair. Okay. How about that? Is that I hair? brought that up, actually, to yes. Channing. I said John's hair stays very still, even in action, which I it's think true. is very impressive. It really does. It really does. And people think I have a ton of product in it, but I really don't. It's just trained. It knows. I, I can confirm, you know, as, as someone who has kissed John Alba's hair, true. can confirm. I didn't, there was no product, anything like that. All natural. Well, there is product. There is product. We're not going to sit here and pretend there's no product. But but I think people think I just take like globs of gel and just like run it through it. And and they think that I just hairspray for hours. Like, man, it's a little bit of mousse. And it's a little bit of hairspray. And that's it. It's pretty quick. It's pretty, it knows what it's doing. Well, beautiful hair. Thank you. Beautiful man. All right, I won't talk about your punchable face. Let's let's just talk but about the thing you. is too, people probably don't even have context. Like that was a headline that you wrote a couple years ago, but there's probably people yes. who are like, what does he mean by that? Like what what is the context of him? The even context, that? everyone knows what a punchable face no, but, is. But there's a reason why that became a thing, and it's because I was and this is a very true story. <laughs> I this is literally how I got into the performing side of pro wrestling. I was 
interviewing Billy Gunn at a one-man show in Bangor, Maine. And he, I'm speaking, and he just stops me and goes, anyone ever tell you you have a very punchable face? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. And he goes, no, man, like, don't be offended. He's like, that's how you're going to make money one day. I was like, huh, okay. And uh, here we are. <laughs> if anything, I should be given credit for keeping this alive, keeping the Alba lore it's a alive. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. Lore lore is important in wrestling. <laughs> yes, as, exactly. As we know, lore is very important. That's exactly. Very important. If they go back and they do their research, they will mm. now know that story yes. or you know, know that story previously yes. if they did the research previously. Like yes. oh, Billy Gunn was the first yeah. to bring this up. Billy Gunn's accomplished things in this world. He has. He, he is a current uh, AEW trios champion. He is. Yes. He's still in great shape. And you know, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but there's never been a more athletic man in the World Wrestling Federation <laughs> than Billy Gunn. <laughs> Billy Gunn honestly rules. We should all aspire to just have the career. But that was just the thing. Gunn. Every Billy Gunn match from 1999 <laughs> to 2001, Jim Ross would say there's not a single more athletic man than Billy Gunn in the World Wrestling Federation. Every yeah. single time. I, uh, I saw him live like maybe six months or so ago in Atlanta at a CDW show. And he is huge in person. I was, was he like, the most athletic man on that he was, show? He was also the most athletic person there. I mean, no disrespect to the rest of the roster. It was a great okay. show, but a lot of great, great independent talent. But like Billy Gunn, dude, I, I was, I, I walked, I mean, you don't have to look twice. Like you can see it like in the corner of your eye, like, oh, that's Billy Gunn. Like, you, you know, you know, he's around. Yeah, he's just, he's just huge. But it's wild because he was like, not known as like a big guy back in his era, but you know, in like today's era, he's still humongous amongst like the AEW roster. It's just wild and longevity. You got to respect the hell out of that. So, no doubt, one of my favorite matches is Billy Gunn against Darby Allen. Just the size difference of those two men rules. Billy Gunn should have won that match too. By Didn't the way. he kick out of the coffin drop in that one? Is that the yeah? One where... Yeah, oh, yeah. Everyone was <laughs> like, "What's going kicked... on?" You know why he kicked out? <laughs> why? why? Because he's so damn athletic. athletic. Yeah, the athletic. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Let, let's get into things here a little bit. John Alba, let's start with an easy one. How'd you get into this stupid world of professional wrestling media coverage? Um, well, I knew that I wanted to be a sportscaster April 10th, 1998. Um, I was watching the Yankees home opener. That team specifically in the 98 Yankees. That's my why right there. Um, I was watching that home opener against the Oakland Athletics. The final score was 17 to 13. And I turned to my mom, who I was watching with at the time, and I said, I want to talk about that when I grow up. That's what I want to do. I want to be the guy who's getting all excited over stuff. So I knew I wanted to get into sports journalism from a very, very young age. And it was a blessing and a curse. It was a blessing in the sense I knew what I wanted to do as a curse because it was all I knew I wanted to do. As when I spent all my time dedicated to doing, I was doing live online sports talk radio when I was in seventh, eighth grade before podcasts were a thing. I was doing broadcasting camps and courses. That's what I buried myself in with student media in college. And my junior year of high school, I started 
to combine my interest in sports journalism with pro wrestling, something that was just a hobby of mine, by freelance writing pieces for different websites, WrestleZone being one of them. This was like the time where WrestleZone had chair shot reality with Justin Labar and Josh Eisenberg. And Josh has become one of my best friends to this day. It's, it's really funny how that stuff works out. And uh, yeah, so I, I started just doing some contributing for different websites until I helped launch a website, which was uh, wrestlingrumors.net. I was there for a couple years, started the Living the Gimmick podcast with my buddy Doug McDonald, held that for six years, and then parlayed that into some of the podcasts you know today. But I think the biggest thing that was very transformative was my coverage in Orlando during the pandemic, because I was probably the only sports journalist who had boots on the ground who gave a crap about pro wrestling. And it just happened that pro wrestling was the only thing going on in that area. So it was this weird synergy of all these different elements of my life coming together. What, what was that time like during the pandemic, by the way, like being that guy for the space there, like only guy beat on the ground, like you're saying. Insane. It was, <laughs> it was crazy just because there was so much uncertainty over the pandemic at the time. And especially with how the state of Florida was handling it. And I think the big, I think the big report that kind of got my name out there was when the executive order was signed in the state of Florida that asserted WWE as an essential business. And everyone was like, Oh, that's peculiar, right? That's, that seems a bit odd. And myself and one of the other reporters at my station did some tracking and, we found that on the same day that this executive order was issued, Linda McMahon's America First Super PAC donated $18 million to the Republican Party of Florida, the Florida GOP, purely by coincidence, as Ron DeSantis sure. said. Sure. So make it that way you will. But I think that was the first report that kind of put some people on or put me on people's radar i feel like even though i had been a sports reporter in multiple markets covering the nba nfl nhl major league baseball college etc uh, it was kind of taking that legitimate i say with quotations side of sports journalism and applying it to pro wrestling a little more and that's certainly when i discovered you as well because we were covering the news still with professional wrestling. And I think I messaged Sean. I was like, is this person legit? Is his news stories legit? Sean was like, yeah, he, he knows what he's talking about here. And then we became, I don't know, friends, if you want to call us that, uh, throughout that time. But, but yeah, covering everything during the pandemic. So you get involved in the world of wrestling. Did you, is this when you started kind of, I don't want to say mingling, but really started to develop just things with wrestling and, and that side of things. So it's funny. Time. It's funny. I, I had been doing indie wrestling stuff for at that point, five years. I had, I had been doing indie wrestling, performing and commentary for five years. They were more localized things. You know, I started my career in new England, which is how I got so involved with limitless wrestling, which I consider to be my home promotion still to this day. Um, I had been doing that, but you know, the way indie wrestling works is unless you're truly out there working the towns every single week, you kind of get attached to your specific region. So that's what I had been doing. Even when I was living in Florida, I was still contributing to limitless. 
up there. And I loved doing the performance side of things, the performance side of things. Cause for me, I played in a rock band for so many years and that performance was my favorite thing that I've ever done in my life. Just being able to exert that energy. And there's a lot of parallels in the pro wrestling realm of doing the character stuff. And that's why I've really enjoyed doing what I'm doing now at the monster factory, where I'm doing it with students and getting a chance to work with them. I feel like I have a little more street cred now where we, there's a lot more collaboration and they listen to some of the things that I say and I listen to them and it's really great, but uh, sorry for bouncing around, but that was definitely a moment for me where I was like, okay, now all these things are starting to come together. I never really intended to be a wrestling reporter per se. Breaking news for wrestling was not something that I had a ton of interest in. Long form interviewing is my passion and the performance side is my passion. It just so happened that I was a legitimate news reporter who was in this realm where all this stuff was happening. And I felt, well, maybe I can service the industry here and be a voice too for talent because that was a really uncertain time for a lot of talent. I would have 10, 15 talent a day reaching out to me being like, what's going on with this COVID stuff today? Like what, what are the protocols today? And uh, it was, it was really, really an interesting period of time that one day, if there's ever a book uh, I'm, I'm excited to dive into just how crazy it truly was. Man. So there's a lot, there's a lot I want to ask you about kind of a lot of what you just said. So when it comes to like limitless, you know um, I know it sounds like you have great experience there. You still consider it your home promotion and everything. Can you elaborate more on like your overall experience there and some of the talent there? Because uh, behind the scenes, you were the one that, you know, I was very aware of Channing Thomas already, but you were the one kind of like, Hey, Channing is, you know, someone you know, keep a lookout for. And we wound up interviewing him like right after. And yeah. um, he had nothing but yeah. great stuff to say about you. And, you know, just kind of. I don't know about whatever. nothing but great stuff. You know what I mean? I get you know what, what I mean. Yes, so, yes. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, Limitless, it's got a very special place in my heart because I think the story of Limitless Wrestling is one of the craziest things that has ever happened in indie wrestling history. You have this promotion that starts in the middle of nowhere, Maine. Like Maine, one of the smallest states in terms of population in the country. And in their third show, they attract Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, freaking uh, Cassius Ono, Chris Hero, as, as their main event. It's like, what? You're bringing that to small town Maine? And they yeah. slowly developed into this little engine that could promotion moving to Portland, Maine, more close to Boston, where they became this go-to destination where all these top indie talent really wanted to get their chops in. And I think the thing with Limitless that really, really put it over the top, uh, first MJF being the first champion right around the time that AEW was launching, but it was really the Daniel Garcia run that I think changed the perception because i think daniel garcia in 2021 had one of the greatest indie runs ever in a short period of time just not just in limitless but in general and he was carrying around that limitless championship and uh, jeremy i'm sure you've seen this i joke about this all the time with sean i remember in the maybe end of 2019 messaging sean and being like you should start paying attention to this daniel garcia guy like, I think he's going to be a major player. Yeah. 
And um, being able to use my media experience and provide more exposure for some of these talent have been incredibly rewarding. I mean, Daniel Garcia, he posted it on Isaiah Cassidy's blog, his vlog. I mean, he said that he felt like I was one who helped him get hired in AEW. And like to hear a talent say that, I mean, that's, that's just so gratifying. So anything that I can do as far as promoting indie rest. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And getting those talent names out there, because there are so many right now that I'm like, they are going to be the stars of tomorrow. That uh, if I can play any part in helping them get that exposure, then I'm thrilled to play that role. I do love the bit that you do that Every time Garcia comes on the screen, hey, you guys know about Daniel Garcia? You heard about this guy? Like, yeah, you yeah. don't you don't fully like take credit for. I mean, he's giving you credit. No. You don't like take credit for it at all. But no. those who know, like, know what what you're doing, and I find it hilarious. <laughs> no, no, I mean, I would never take Chris. I mean, he's the talent, right? And he's amazing. Yeah. But I, I do think I helped platform him a little bit, and him, the two of us did this hour long interview right before he signed. That I think, yeah really convinced, good too thank you thank you i i think it kind of convinced i mean he told me as much he felt it convinced some of the higher-ups to give him a shot so I, and, and it, that makes me happy to hear that people are paying attention to that right like that's awesome like that's that shows that wrestling media has come a long way where these companies are starting to pay attention to what people have to say and the content that is being produced and i think that's great for the industry i think that's awesome but i i I take a lot of pride in trying to help talent in any way that I can in just getting them exposure. I'm grateful you guys have given some of those talent a platform and like Becca, for example, I think Becca is a WrestleMania main eventer. I think she's going to be that successful and uh, people like that. They deserve the spotlight. No pun intended. They really do. Well, Becca was very kind saying that we were one of her best interviews ever. She great liar. Uh, so no, I mean... she messaged me right <laughs> after that. She said that was my favorite interview I've ever done. She really I think, did. I think it's because we tried to get her into a fight with Lady Gaga and it's Taylor true. Swift. Yeah, that was you really did. You no, really she, did. she was 
she was great. Channing Thomas, uh, who you also helped set up, was great. Alec Price, the first time we had him on on Spotlight, that was through you as well. I mean, he's yeah. another guy that I just I think he's a star in the making, and you know I think I'm, I'm hoping his size doesn't hold him back because as long as it doesn't, I see Brian Pillman in him. I see this intense babyface or heel that you feel with you feel empathy and compassion for the character who's clawing and clawing and punching up he's a special talent too yeah he's a, he's very uh, authentic like even when you interview him like he speaks like how he comes across on the show he calling people busters and yeah. all that kind of stuff like he's like i, I like him a lot um and hearing hearing that iwtv championship right now too i mean there's a lot of uh, a lot of stock in him right now which is which is really good to see um well, something else i wanted to ask you about just really quick before i forget to ask um i i did um student media in college as well what did you do through for student media while you were in college yeah um boy what didn't i do i was one of the people that i was like i'm going to do everything i can to prove that i can make it and it was not the healthiest mentality to have i'll be honest i was that was like my period of life where from 18 to 22 i was just like hashtag grind set i'm just gonna grind 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 and like that is a really unhealthy mentality you have to learn how to breathe and give yourself a time to enjoy your life a little bit but i was writing for the student newspaper there was a sports network that i was calling play by play and color for and then eventually i ran the student tv station and, and this was it's still to this day this is probably my proudest accomplishment we when we took over the station my end of my sophomore year the station had about 25 total people in it and by the end of my junior year we had 155 and we then won college television station of the year for the country uh, from the college media association and that was like one of the most gratifying experiences i've ever been a part of with an amazing group of talent i've got five to seven people i graduated with went on to get really good on-air gigs in tv and some of them are in the top tv markets in the country right now and summer network and it's really talented group of people and uh that was that was an amazing experience I wanted to ask like who some of your kind of role models are when it comes to really any aspect of television or, or media, but mm -hmm. specifically interviewing, because yeah. I listen, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of your podcast. Uh, and, and one, <laughs> you send them to me. It's like, here, do this. Here's an article <laughs> for you on my birthday. Nonetheless, on my birthday, <laughs> um, I think but, I sent you something on your birthday. I think I sent you results for an indie show on your birthday too. Yeah, I ran so, those. To like, be yeah, fair, yeah. that was a pretty good story. I sent. It you was a good story. It but, was. Any, I, anyway, finish your question. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to ask about a certain podcast that I got a lot of great stories from, but I would like to see that uh, return at some. The wives. Yes. Oh God! I mean, I would love to see the wives return too, but that is not <laughs> that is not in my hands. Yeah. Um. But so, so just some of your role models when it comes to and specifically interviewing, but mm -hmm. overall, because 
and I listen to a lot of podcasts. I think you are a fantastic interviewer and Thank it's you. very engaging to where even if I did not do this for a living and I just would casually enjoy wrestling podcasts, that would you with Matt Hardy specifically would be Thank one you. like, I'd probably listen to this just in general. I appreciate that. And you know, I, I know the Hardy podcast is not the most listened to wrestling podcast in the space, but I will put it up there against any in terms of quality. I really do believe that, that, you get an authentic, genuine conversation between Matt and I every single episode. And I don't think you get that with every podcast. So I appreciate the kind words on that. Uh, my mentor in the industry is, and a lot of people don't even know this because I don't really talk about it, but uh, my mentor in the industry is Ian Eagle, who is one of the top play-by-play -play guys in the world for professional sports. And he has this amazing ability to blend straightforward sports casting with fantastic comedic timing and entertainment value when travis kelsey caught that touchdown and he said he <laughs> caught it in blank space like that's that is bird and a lot of my broadcasting style has been based off of him now he's not really an interviewer per se but he taught me something growing up i've known him since i was 14 or 15 years old and that was pre-production is production the amount of work and preparation you put in on a project beforehand will reflect the product that you ultimately put out. And that is how I tackle every single thing that I do. I do all my own notes for all my own podcasts. I don't outsource that to anybody. Everything is done myself. And I think by doing the notes myself, I come up with ideas in my head of what would make for a good conversation talking point because I've physically done the research. So I'm thinking to myself, what would be good? My mentality with interviewing is that I am inherently curious about people. I'm naturally extremely curious about people from all different walks of life. And I've studied a lot of fantastic storytellers like Boyd Hoopert and Steve Hartman, who are these prolific, prolific storytellers and you see the little things they do in their interviewing where they identify talking points listen to what someone says and they find words within that answer that they can then piggyback off of that get you to the next point and sometimes they'll find something in that answer that they realize will give them an opportunity to delve further into human emotion and I think the reason we listen to long form interviews or podcasts is because we all like to feel something, whatever that feeling may be. It may be compassion. It may be empathy. It may be sadness. It may be comedy. It may be excitement, whatever it is, or even it's, it's just curiosity. We all want to feel something. And so I think a great interviewer knows how to listen to things that are said within an answer and piggyback that into asking engaging questions that elicit emotion. No, I, I agree with you and I appreciate your comments. I did not know that Ian Eagle was your, your mentor like that. I've seen oh, yeah. you put him over. I've oh yeah. Him, and I just, I just thought like you're just a big Ian Eagle fan and like, I don't blame yeah. you. Yeah. The Taylor Swift reference. I mean, pop see, me uh, I'll, try to, I'll, I'll try to find a picture here for you guys, but yeah, that uh, bird to me is one of the greatest sportscasters ever. And I would have thought that, prior to meeting him and i still think that after and i've actually gotten to know his son noah very well 
And Noah's becoming a freaking superstar right now in the sports casting industry. He's the number one for NBC's coverage of the Big Ten. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah, there's me and Bird. There's my guy right oh, there. Very cool. That's my nice. boy. And uh, he's he's the best. And I, I've learned a lot of good qualities from him. And he has taught me, too, that no one is below paying it forward to. And that's why I love mentoring. I love doing stuff like this because I mean, he's been so gracious with his time for me over the years that, and I see how he is with other people too. He's one of those people that really wants the broadcasting industry to be a better place. And I, I, I kind of wear that with, my own approach to sports casting, but especially wrestling media too, because there's a lot of crap in wrestling media, yeah. but there are a lot of really good people too. And yes. uh, I'm always down to try to help mentor anyone that I, I can, if they ever approach me and are interested in that. I was going to say, I was going to say, speaking of mentors, I, mean, I don't know if you catch what I'm going to do right now. Speaking of mentors and people um, that, that mentor in the business, someone you get to work with very closely has mentored many people in wrestling. His name's Eric Bischoff. What's it like being involved with Eric Bischoff at all? Like, I mean, obviously growing up a fan and like being in wrestling. And I mean, I met him. I met him twice. The first time I met him, I was already in my 30s, I think. I was like early 30s. And I I, I did one of these at him. Like I freaked out because I was like, it's Eric Bischoff. Like, what I, a I, mark. I marked out <laughs> big time, big time for Eric Bischoff. This is probably about like 2017 or so. Nashville Fairgrounds. I, this, you know, I, I marked out big. I actually saw him like a couple weekends ago in Atlanta at um, Deep South, um, yeah. which was cool. But um, what's it like, you know, Eric Bischoff? That, that's wild to be doing a show with him. Eric is the single most challenging person I've ever worked with. And I don't say that in a negative way. He pushes me to be on top of my game. If you were to compare and contrast strictly business to the extreme life, you'll hear two very different approaches to how I try to facilitate conversation because Eric is a smart guy. He's a really smart guy. And there's a 38 year age gap between us. So that is an inherent challenge in and of itself. We come from wildly different backgrounds with wildly different viewpoints on life and frankly, wildly different viewpoints on the wrestling industry. But I think that that makes for a good product. And I'm not sure that Eric necessarily took to me at first, but I think once he saw how much work and care I put into the product, he started to respect the work that I was doing. And from there, we really started to form a really good camaraderie. And our camaraderie is very different than the camaraderie Matt Hardy and I have. It's an extremely different com camaraderie. But what really helped was honestly... Eric and I back in April did a live show in Fresno, California. We flew out to San Francisco together. Oh, we met up in San Francisco, I should say. And then I don't know if any of you have been out there, but San Francisco to Fresno is a three hour drive both ways. So got a rental car, 
and we hit the road on a road trip, Eric and I. And so we spent six hours in the car together, plus the entire day together where he threw out the first pitch. We did a live show. And so altogether, I probably spent 12 hours with Eric Bischoff that day. And I think we really, for the first time, got to bond and truly understand each other. And ever since that, I feel like our relationship has evolved to that next step where it comes across on air that we have a lot more chemistry. I am willing to push back on him more. And it used to be, no, you don't interrupt me. Now I have the ability to interrupt him with something and he'll fire right back. And that's great. We got in a huge fight on air the other day, but it was productive quality podcast entertainment. So I, it, it's, it's true, Stephen, like, he, for me, probably as a character in wrestling, like my performance, he's probably my biggest influence ever. Right. Uh, so the, the the fan in me, it's like, it, what a privilege I have. But uh, it has been a challenge. But I am so grateful for Strictly Business. I love the challenge every day to step outside of my comfort zone and cover a different side of the industry that I never really put too much emphasis on. And I learn something from that man every single time we do a broadcast together. I have one follow-up for that. How, sure. how did that actually get started? Because obviously y'all didn't know each other because you're forming the chemistry like as you're right. doing it. So like, how did the podcast really start? And like, how did y'all know or the, the kind of the powers that be that put it all together, like figure that you would be a good match? Yeah, I mean, it was when I was working for Conrad and I had done a few stuff with Eric just on ad-free shows and they wanted to do a show about the business of the business. I had kind of pitched something similar at one point and then they took the concept and wanted to really do something with it. And my understanding was Conrad didn't want to really cover the day-to-day -day stuff of wrestling and the current stuff. So they said, all right, well, let's have John do it. And from there we were just thrown together. And a lot of people don't realize because the podcast launched publicly at the beginning of the year, but we had been doing the podcast for eight months already on the ad free shows paywall side. So truthfully, we go back to like April 2022 of doing this show together. But yeah, I mean, it, it has and, and the difference between then and now it's it's wild because we really have become comfortable together and the live shows we've done together have been great. He is one of the most personable people that I've ever met in my entire life. His charisma is off the charts and it does not surprise me that he had as much success as he did and the longevity that he had in the pro wrestling industry because he knows how to work a room as well as anybody I've ever come across. From the challenges of, of Eric Bischoff and to contrast that with what I feel is a very easy, smooth listen and working with Matt Hardy to where you guys seem to get along great. There's a good vibe between you guys. Uh, I think you steer the conversation very well with Thank Matt you. and Matt, Matt very much seems like an open book. And all of these, like you ask him something, willing to answer whatever he needs to answer. What is it like working with Matt, who has yeah. decades on top of decades of experience in wrestling? And is and I, still willing to give back. I, and I want to just make this clear real quick before I answer that. Like, I am not at all complaining about Eric Bischoff. I love working with Eric. Me saying that he's challenging is not within negative context. It is. It makes me a better broadcaster every single week. So 
for anyone who makes a headline out of that. I just want to make sure. That <laughs> no one's making head. No one's no. making headlines out of this interview okay. unless it's me. And I, I was I, say, I Jeremy's the only one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 the only person you got to worry about is sitting right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear because I love doing strictly business. Um, with Matt, man, you know that podcast is my baby. That was my idea that I've had in my head for four or five years now. That I always thought Matt would be a great podcast because. I've always found him to be a pretty good storyteller from the interviews that I had heard with him. He was a serial reinventor. He was part of one of the top three most famous tag teams of all time. And you always heard from people in the industry. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great. But having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code staple two zero. That Matt was one of the guys that kind of made things happen, right? Like Jeff was the sizzle, but Matt was the steak. And I always say that Matt's the secret sauce of the Hardy Boys. And I think you guys might have even asked Channing about working with Matt in your interview with him, if I'm not mistaken, where he said, yeah, Matt's willing to give back because Matt loves pro wrestling so much. And it hurts my heart when I see people online saying the weird shit they say about Matt, because I have found, and this is so genuine. I have found Matt to be one of the best human beings I've ever met in my entire life. I consider him to be a lifelong friend. He's the type of guy that will be in my wedding party when some unfortunate soul decides to marry me, uh, which has not happened yet or seems like it will be happening anytime soon. Aside right from Cher Delaware. I'm right aside from Cher Delaware. Oh, there you go. There you go. Shout out Cher right here on the show. Shout out Cher. But uh, man, Matt Hardy was one of my favorites growing up. And to have an opportunity to say that I get to do a podcast with him and not even just have a podcast with him, but form the friendship, the genuine friendship that I have with him, where we talk on the phone pretty much every day for an hour plus it. My career could end today and it will be the single most fulfilling thing that I've ever gotten out of it. Uh, it his kids know me by name. Like we talk, it, it's never something I would have ever imagined getting out of, doing this work and i really do appreciate the kind words you said there jeremy because what i love most about that podcast is that matt is not afraid to talk about pretty much anything and our conversations about mental health and addiction and 
these very real things, that's what make it special. And they provide insight as to the type of human being that he is. I, I'll say this about Matt Hardy and the podcast. Sometimes I can find the podcast difficult to, as a, as a news person, this is why I say I would listen to the podcast if I wasn't doing news because news, it's like, ah, oh, what's, what's a good headline. What's a good story mm-hmm. that's out there. And Matt is very open and honest about stuff that isn't just wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. I, I, I think the, the toughest one I had to kind of do was when everything happened with Jeff and Matt was talking about that. And I was like, I got to put this into words now. Like, please listen to this podcast. But yeah. I tried to be fair to what the actual conversation was and not just like pull quote, pull yeah. quote. But that happens a lot, even when it's just wrestling related. And so if you're just like looking for a headline of it, it's like, okay, well, let's frame it the right way and make sure what is said uh, is what and, is said. And, out and there. it's and it's funny. And I appreciate the legwork. I really do, because there are times where it does get frustrating as someone who's pouring his heart and soul into these shows and seeing stuff get taken out of context. Like no better example than the whole beef that happened with Matt and Jim Cornette, where the cult of Cornette jumped on Matt because in our podcast, he made the comparison of orange Cassidy to the undertaker. And he was not saying, if you listen to the episode, he's not saying they're the same type of performer and same caliber performer. He's just saying, as someone who observed how Vince McMahon really relied on The Undertaker when he needed him, Orange Cassidy has kind of become that crutch for Tony Khan, where whenever Tony Khan needs someone in a pinch, he goes to Orange Cassidy. And everyone all of a sudden, I mean, Reddit is the worst of them. Reddit is by far the worst of them. They jump on it. Matt Hardy compares Orange to, Orange Cassidy to The Undertaker. And like then it just spirals, and then it gets in the hands of Jim Cornette, and it explodes into what it exploded into. And so I appreciate the attention to detail that you put into your coverage. And, and I, I really do. And, and I'm always happy to work with someone if they feel like I'm being unfair to them and calling them out for a bad headline or something. I'll explain why I think it's a bad headline. And they don't have to change it. It's their outlet. They reserve the right to do things how they want to. But just I always just encourage people to just listen. Why. Message me privately if if you have an issue with a headline, Alba. Don't call me out publicly. We're I friends. Don't I, I don't, I don't think you have either. I'm just. I don't think I've ever called you out. No, yeah. I don't think so. Because I, I write nothing but banger headlines, Sean Alba. That's There's right. nothing to complain about. That's true. I called Colin out one time for fightful stuff. Dude, but... what do you do? don't call don't call my people oh, out? We had we had we had a conversation about it. We had a conversation about it. Private. These well, it was funny. It was funny. It was actually really funny that and I think it was about the Orange Cassidy and Undertaker thing. Oh. And he he put a headline and I like Colin a lot for the record. I really do. He's such a nice guy. He's great. And he's a workhorse. Watches yes. the spotlight, by the way. We'll see this. Colin, yes. shout out to you. <laughs> but but I, I, I it was funny because he was like, I was like, man, I don't feel like this article is really representative of what Matt said. And he was like, well, I listened to it and like, I couldn't really think of any other headline for it. And I was like, what about this? Would this headline make sense? And I suggested one. He's like, oh yeah, that, that, that headline would make a lot of sense. I was like, listen, you don't have to change it. This is your outlet. I will never tell someone what to do, but please understand why as someone who's producing the product and trying to create goodwill with our product, why misrepresentation of headlines can really cause problems. And the wives podcast is the perfect example of that. <laughs> where, where 
stuff was getting misrepresented all the time not by you but like it was it was getting very much misrepresented because people wouldn't listen they would aggregate stuff yeah and all of a sudden you've got these beyond outrageous claims going around and randy would be like uh what, what's going on here you know that podcast as someone who just likes to i don't i don't want to say shit post headlines but just <laughs> you know right engaging yes it really it really really was like i, I, I miss it, it every day i really do i have never had as much fun with a project as i did with the wives of wrestling I'm, I'm gonna circle back real quickly to to matt because i wasn't quite sure. done putting him over um two two quick things on him one we do interview a lot of independent wrestlers and you know matt works with a lot of independent people he they've been they've been doing shows for a few years uh indie people come to AEW dark all the time obviously and so when we talk to independent wrestlers a lot of people say like oh matt was always yeah. very helpful mm-hmm. and, and i think that's just big because you know how it is backstage everybody's busy everybody's doing a million things and it's like you don't know who has time for anybody and they always kind of make it a point be like yeah matt is always whether it's in aw or in uh an independent show that matt's working and they're working they always put over matt I, i've just noticed that trend through yeah. uh when, we, when we've talked to a lot of independent people. Because then, that's the type of person he is, Jeremy. Like, that's who he is. So when I see these people online who say the stupidest stuff about him or Jeff or whatever, like, obviously I'm going to be defensive because this is my vested interest that I have. But I mean it all very genuinely. They are great people. And I think the reason Jeff Hardy has gotten so many chances in wrestling is because other wrestlers know the caliber of person that he is and they know that he's had these horrible demons that he's dealt with and jeff has done some stupid things that could have gotten a lot of people hurt including himself but he's been afforded these opportunities because they know in his heart the type of person that he is and it the same goes for matt now oh sorry go ahead jeremy i've got i've I've had i've had i've had a transition in the chamber for like five minutes (laughs) go ahead go ahead i'm sorry that i'm I'm just putting over matt this is it's about matt it's about okay last one a a personal thing is when joseph and i were doing the movie reviews and i would just randomly tag john cena we're gonna review this movie come on our podcast to talk about batista come talk about it and we did that wrestlers and zombies movie yeah and i tagged a bunch of people and matt was one of them and he messaged me and he was just like hey i appreciate you reaching out like doing this like didn't have the the wasn't the best thing for me like i'd rather not talk about it but like hey thanks for that like he didn't have to do that he didn't know especially at that time he didn't know who the hell we were like he had no idea no we were but he was just kind enough to reach out and be like hey thank i saw i saw your message appreciate you asking like if you need anything let me know i just don't really want that's the kind of person he is that is the kind of and that's how the show was even pitched to him he had followed me randomly on twitter one summer and i I had a cordial message with him but i was like I'm going to shoot my shot here. And I shot him a DM and I was like, Matt, I don't even know if you're going to see this. I have this idea. I need five minutes of your time. That's it. I said, call me literally whenever what happens three weeks later, he calls me at one in the morning and he's, (laughs) he's like, got the baby up. He's taking care of the baby, Gothic baby. Who's more famous than Matt these days, by the way. (laughs) Um, And he says to me, I got five minutes, man. What, what's your pitch? And rattled it off said let me think on it we got lunch at a chipotle in orlando before a dynamite and we were supposed to meet for like a half hour we ended up meeting for like an hour and 40 minutes and we banged out a year's worth of content and he's like i'm in that was it so 
That's awesome. It's the type of guy he is. So this this is kind of based on the the whole headlines and fake news kind of conversation we were just having a little bit there. Something y'all want out there is facts, right? You don't want fake news. You want facts. Mad facts. That's my whole thing right here, John. So do you have any favorite mad facts or like from the actual show that you can remember? Or do you have any mad facts format that like we might not actually know that you know? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll give you a mad fact that <laughs> I know Matt Hardy pretty damn well now. Um, uh, okay. All right. Ready, uh... Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Matt fact, Matt Hardy runs on Matt Hardy time. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? You might ask. Yeah. Well, I'll be like, hey, man, what time you want to record today? They'll be like, ah, let's let's record at uh, let's record at 11 a.m. I know that that means we are hitting that record button at 1230. <laughs> like, wow. like, like <laughs> that... hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> that far behind. Today we were supposed that maybe maybe that's a little exaggerated, but I know that it's at least a half hour, a minimum a half hour. Um Today we were supposed to record at six and I knew it wasn't happening. So I, I just checked with him at like five fifty-eight and I was like, We good? And he's like, Yeah. Might might need a few more minutes. I was like, Don't worry, no sweat. Like I, I know, I know, it's fine. We didn't even end up recording tonight. Like we ended up getting pushed back to because he has an insanely busy life. But Matt Matt Hardy runs on Matt Hardy time. He he very much overestimates how much he can handle at once because he has a million things that he's responsible for. He's got four kids that he's always on the road trying to connect with. He's the best father I've ever seen in my entire life. He does everything for those kids that he possibly can when he's on the road. And um I don't know if you've heard, but his wife is an impassioned human being as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot going on there. And uh, I think there are just times where I just, I know we'll set a time and I go, okay, I've got a half hour plus buffer room. So that is my Matt fact for you. That That is one that Matt might not even recognize that I know for sure. I, my favorite Matt fact from the show is that, Hurricane Helms is significantly older than him, which, uh, <laughs> as we know, Hurricane in actuality is only about three months older than him. But he does not let Hurricane Helms uh, let that down. That's have, have you had run-ins with Rebby? Rebby and I love each other. We Rebby when it's not kind he, of condescending just then. Wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh. So Rebby, when she first met me was not a fan because I would be taking time away from Matt to do this project. Right. Mm. And as an early episode, I want to say it's episode three or four. You can go back and listen. This is when we were recording full time with him at home. She storms in the room after like an hour and 20 minutes. And she just, can I curse here? Yeah. Yeah. She goes two fucking hours. What are we fucking doing here? Two fucking hours. Get, Get the fuck over this. Well, what, how, how interesting is your life that you could talk about yourself for two fucking hours? And so so I'm like, shit, man. <laughs> what I did before the podcast even started, because I knew she would be tepid. 
I bought her a $250 edible arrangement and sent it to them to just try to get on because women, women love chocolate, right? They love fruit. Like that's, that's a good thing. So isn't it amazing? I'm single. And um, (laughs) so uh, I sent that to them, but then as time went on, I think Rebby started to see that I really had her husband's best interest in mind. I was not some money Mark who was just trying to make a buck off him. And Rebby and I, truthfully, I know it may not seem like this on the same on the surface, but her and I are cut from the same cloth. Like we grew up in very similar areas and had similar experiences growing up. Her and I are closer in age than her and Matt are. And so I think she started to see that about me. And then the few times that we've actually hung out in person, it's been like this. And and we really connect. And her and I text all the time. We just bullshit. Sometimes we shit on Matt. Like it's <laughs> it's fun. And and Rebby is a really really wonderful person. She is, and she has her persona that a lot of people know about. But a lot of her fire comes from how much she cares about other people. And she's an incredible mother to those kids. And uh, a, a great wife to Matt. She she saved his life. Matt was yeah. Matt said that yeah. Matt Matt was using synthetic oxy, and she came into his life and whipped him into shape, and she she saved him. So I'm I'm a big Rebby Hardy fan, and I always say she's my favorite Hardy. No questions asked. She's my favorite. I, I have a story about Rebby that she doesn't know, and Matt doesn't know. No one knows. So she's in this mom group or used to be. And my wife was in the same group. And she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm in this mom group. And this was years ago. This was years ago. Is this uh, like on Facebook? Like, what do you mean mom group? Just mom group, Jensen. If you're not you in the mom about? group, you're not in the mom group. But what you, mom group on, yeah, online. Oh, online. okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, thank you. I'm single so, also, John. I if you got to ask, all this stuff. if you got to ask questions, you're probably not part of the group. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't get the invite. Okay, sorry, Jeremy. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I just wanted to understand what the small group was. Okay, gotcha. But when when my my wife and I met and we were wrestling fans and everything, she's like, I used to be in this mom group with Rebby Hardy. I was like, Yeah, what was that like? She's like, It's exactly what you would think Rebby <laughs> Hardy would be in a mom group. But I was like, if, I bet that is tremendous. Like, if you're wife, paying... like, go ahead. God. Sorry, sorry. Good. I was like, my wife like loves like chaos from afar. Doesn't want to be part of any of it, but loves like oh. if she's not part of the drama, she Dude. will watch the drama. All House day. Hardy, so she's like, this is amazing. House Hardy is chaos. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. You're on the phone with Matt, and you just hear children screaming, just running around. I mean, it is it is chaos. If you listen to the podcast that we tape when we're at home, when he's at home, there's a run in from every single kid, every, every single episode. That's just how it is there. And I love those kids. They're so smart and they're so personal. But you know, as far as Rebby's concerned, like you look at her social media, man, her Instagram or TikTok, she is one of the most creative people I've ever seen in my entire life. And what she has manifested with this gothic baby shit, it's incredible. It's truly incredible. And uh, <laughs> she was pissed at me recently. This is a good story. So... <laughs> I might have the video of it. I, I, I'll see if, if I can find the video. I'll send you the video because this was not public. Um, I went to American Dream, the mall in Jersey in the Meadowlands right before I went to Springsteen a few weeks ago. And they have the Nickelodeon Universe theme park there. Rebby is a huge Blue's Clues fan. She like 
wanted to get down and dirty with Steve back in the nineties. Like that was, <laughs> that was her jam. She like dressed as Steve for Halloween one year, all this stuff. And Matt recently met Steve at a comic con. Cause apparently Steve from blues clues is a huge Hardy boy fan. Really? So he went up to him, threw up the V one with Matt and all that stuff. And Matt was like, Hey, look at this. And Rebby cursed him out. Like cursed him <laughs> out. It was like, screw you. blah blah blah. So at, at this theme park, they have a blues clues section and they have the chair that Steve would sit in and read the mail and all that stuff. So I had my friend take a video of me and I was like, Rebecca Hardy, my favorite Hardy. I love you dearly, but I'm going to brag a bit because you know where I am right now. I'm about to go sit and I had the camera pans over and I'm just there in Steve's chair. And <laughs> excuse the vulgarity. She goes, what in the goddamn fuck is this shit? <laughs> and and she, she's like, fuck you, bro. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you, bro. And uh, oh, she went off. She cut a promo on me, but she she was laughing. She was, and they had a Legends of the Hidden Temple thing. They had Olmec there in person. And I took a picture of him. She's like, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Fuck you, man. It was It was great. But that's the beautiful dynamic that this podcast has allowed me to build with with their family and uh, i'm very grateful for it that sounds awesome by the way yeah. i'm a big 90s like nickelodeon oh. i was born in 88 so like yeah like 90s nickelodeon was was my life Dude. so i still have a nickelodeon like shelf and i have a bunch surrounded by memorabilia and stuff and i have like a nickelodeon shelf over here off camera that just 90s nickelodeon stuff man that, that's awesome i mean look at this come on now look yeah at you that. and old mac oh, looks wrong yeah, <laughs> come on. Come that's, on so, that's so dope. Sorry that. for all the cursing, guys. <laughs> uh, not... this, this is strictly reenacting the events that occurred. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't care. I don't. I don't care at all. Okay. I don't think Jeremy. I mean, it's, we, we've we've been constant. We've been doing the show for a while, and it hasn't changed. So I, know, I, like, I like to try to keep things clean. Yeah, I was awesome. simply reenacting real life events. <laughs> um. John, I, I did have a, a question for you about the uh, the whole Emmy award winning thing because that's pretty incredible. Um, Where is Erica? Right there, pal. Okay, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Not not you know. Not camera. Up here, yeah, camera front and center like usual. No. There we there go. We go. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was due to work with the MLB Network. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I've been nominated for several others for. Uh, other things that I've done, but the National Emmy was for uh, producing a segment with MLB Network for MLB Tonight. So can you elaborate a little more on this kind of like that overall experience? That's, I mean, that's obviously yeah. not many people. It's a huge accomplishment. And like, oh, yeah. especially to be someone who wanted to get into sports broadcasting, saying at a young age, you want to call Yankees games, and then you get an yeah. Emmy for a, a, a sports show yeah. for the MLB Network. That's wild. Dude. MLB Network was the coolest job I've ever had, like hands down. I got to be in production meetings with my sports heroes. I I hated Pedro Martinez with every fiber of my body as a kid. Sure. But I was one of his producers at MLB Network, and I loved working with Pedro. Hearing mm -hmm. the difference, it, it was, I mean, it was like going to class every day. He'd hold a baseball, and he'd be like, here's the difference between releasing a fastball here versus here. And you're like... <laughs> it's just it's blowing your mind so i loved working at mlb network the the reason i left was because i wanted to do the on-air path and it was my first gig 
in, in the back end of college and then eventually out of college for a few months. But yeah, you know, my dream would always be to go back there in an on-camera role. And I can't really go into specifics at this moment in time, but I'll give the spotlight a little bit of a exclusive. Um, very, very soon. Very soon. Imminently, one may even say. Uh, oh, so, okay. I was going to ask about this soon tweet. So now we're getting <laughs> very soon. Very soon. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I want to make that clear, by the way. That's me having fun with people on, on social media. I would never cryptic tweet about news that I cover. I, I know there are journalists that do that or people who cover stuff. I would never do that. That's not the right thing to do. Sure. But, I just assume like it's, it's personal news. If it's coming from yeah, someone yeah, like you, yeah. like, Oh, you got something personal. Yeah. To so point. I very imminently, I'm going to be returning to the TV realm in a very, very cool thing that I'm so excited about that. will make that five-year-old sportscaster who loves New York sports, uh, be very proud of himself. And I struggle greatly with imposter syndrome. I've been writing a lot about that on my sub stack. And um, I do think it's very important in life when you accomplish something that you never thought you would do to remind yourself, Hey, how cool would young me have thought that this is, you know, I, I mean, Jeremy and Steven, like even for you guys, if you've been on a media call with a major organization, or if you've interviewed a wrestler that you always wanted to wrestle to interview that you loved growing up, like what would you say to your younger self who just thought this stuff was so cool, right? That you got these opportunities to do stuff like that. So I'm, I'm big on that. Again, I, I think that's a, I, I actually tell myself that all the time, to be mm -hmm. honest, like it's something that like, because wrestling is such a niche thing. It was something that was like so hard to be a fan of as a kid. Yeah. Like, outside of the big boom and the attitude era, like, you know, it wasn't cool to be a wrestling. Fan no, not at all. So not like, you know, you were always told it was stupid and fake and this and that. And like, I feel like a lot of us just kind of like pushed through those years. And then like, we all kind of wound up in this space together. Like we went through it and now like, it isn't, it isn't like even that because it also goes along with like Marvel movies becoming so popular and, and like kind of nerd culture, I think all sure. kind of becoming like accepted nowadays because now wrestling, you don't, I, it's been a long time since I told someone I like pro wrestling and they're like, you know, it's fake. Right. But that used to be all I heard, <laughs> you know? So like, I think it's really cool that you do that too. Cause I, I do it myself all the time. Like, it, especially when I get to interview a wrestler or I get invited to like an indie show to like interview talent or whatever. And I'm like, they actually wanted me to come to this thing. Like me, like I used to pay whatever money I could scrape together to go to a show and just be in the building and just see a wrestler. Right. And now I get to talk. They want me there talking to them. Like, and, and it's, uh, so I think that's a really good message for anybody at any level in any kind of profession, like look back and be like, man, when you were 10 years old, 15 years old, eight years old or whatever, looking at yourself in the mirror or watching YouTube videos and being like, wow, I, it's cool when you, like you said, it's cool when you can start like podcasting and talking to people you were a fan of. And now yeah. like you're kind of peers, like it's, it's, it's really cool to, and I think you should remind yourself. That. The, the first time that I ever did that was maybe 28, no, 2019. My first ever pro athlete that I interviewed was Jeff Bennett, who was a middle reliever for the Atlanta Braves. I went down to Braves spring training in like 2007, 2008. I had a, you know, back when people used to use those handheld recorders rather than yeah. their phones. 
I just went down there. I wasn't credentialed or anything, but he was signing autographs for fans on the spring training sideline at Disney. And I, I went and I just said, Hey, can I ask you a few questions? And like, that was my first pro sport athlete interview. And in 2019, the Braves were playing their last spring training game at that venue, the Disney venue, because they were building their own stadium. And I was put on coverage for that game. And I was like, oh, my God, like this was where I did my first ever athlete interview. And now I get to be here for the last event that they have here. And I did a stand up, which in TV terms, that's when you're on camera. I did a stand up in the exact spot that I stood in when I interviewed Jeff Bennett. And so for me, I was like, man, seventh, eighth grade John would have thought this is the coolest freaking thing ever. And uh, that's what I try to remind myself and getting to work with Hardy and Kurt Angle, two of my all time favorites and Eric Bischoff. That's how you keep things in context, even when life gets rough, because it does get rough. And Jeremy, that's why I'm so appreciative of you and, and you too, Steve. But, uh, you know, Jeremy, I know how open you are about talking about mental health and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of that because that's something I put a ton of emphasis on and I don't hold back. This has been a really difficult year for me and i know it has for you as well and you just got to find those little things that motivate you to keep getting up every day and doing your thing that's really what it boils down to well that is my wife and kids absolutely now. whatever your why is yes. <laughs> whatever your why is yes. you got to figure out what it is and that's mo that's your motivation i gotta i gotta get up and someone's gotta and she does all the hard work but someone's gotta also write these headlines and, and help <laughs> support help support them uh John, I apologize. I, I got to wrap here quickly. No, um, but we have to ask the, the question that we ask everybody. You can't say Erica, but the coolest thing in your room. People probably lack complete context as to why you're referring to my trophy as Erica, but that's a whole nother that's story. That's her name. That, that's her name. I, yes. I, I don't make the rules here. That's, 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 right. that's just how it is. Coolest <laughs> thing in my room. A lot of cool things in my room, honestly. Um, I do love that sign there that a fan brought. If Alba shows up, we riot. That was a fun one. <laughs> um, cool. I think the coolest thing that I have here, I have a custom Muppet that is currently over there in the corner that someone made for me and became my friend. That's pretty cool. Can you show but it I think to the, us? What's that? Can you show it to us? Uh, I can I can get it if you truly yeah. would like me. Yeah, to. yeah, we, yeah, we want to see it. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we okay. you go, Cameron. You're good. You're good. We'll hold it down. You don't have like pants on or something. Yeah. I, have pants on. I, have, I have pants on. All right. <laughs> this 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 is my this is my Muppet Malcolm. Um, this is him. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I'm a big Muppet Mark, huge Muppet Mark. Really, Very Kermit good. the Frog is kind of my inner being, and um, yeah. So Malcolm is definitely one of them, but also uh, I have cufflinks made out of seats from the original Yankee Stadium. Oh, and I would say that that is probably the coolest piece of anything I have in my room for sure. Nice. Is uh is the poster that's awesome is the poster behind you um of the yankees players that's something you made like as a kid it's like it's like a, it's like a it's like all the players like put together on the i didn't make that poster that was a poster that i that was purchased for me in 1998 
I just I can just tell it's been like it looks like one of the old like faded posters. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. tell. I couldn't tell if that was like a uh, almost like a. Uh, I've held on it? to that poster throughout the years. That's the '98. That's the '98 Yankees right there, and above them, it's the '99 Yankees. Uh, those those teams were literally the reason why I'm sitting with you guys today. And I know that might sound weird, but like without that, I would have never gotten into broadcasting. That that was just the most transformative period of time in my life. So I I, I hold that. Pretty near and dear to me. It looks like one of those old school. I I, I recognize. It. I used to get like the book fair posters and all that stuff. Ken Griffey Jr. back in the oh, day. Yeah. And I, I still got some of those around here too. I got I got one of him and his dad back in the day. So anyway, very very cool. The Muppet, you. the Muppet's it's throwing me off, but it's very cool that you have it. I mean, <laughs> I know yeah. that's that's what's throwing me off. Usually like there's two we, of y'all there. We can't say those things on air. That's like illegal in five countries, bro. Oh no. <laughs> John, um, I'm gonna I'm let you plug everything, yes. um, but real quickly, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you over after burying you for your punchable face oh, to, you. to start. Uh, I'm gonna put you over because this story truly means a lot to me, and and I, I still have this memory um, from the first time we actually met in person. I was having a very hard weekend, a couple of days. No one needs to know what was going on, but it was a very rough couple of days. And I did not think I was going to make it to Chicago for uh, All Out 2021. Uh, I didn't think I was going to make it. It was a, a rough couple of days. We got there. My, my now wife and I got there and we met all, all met up at a karaoke bar. And you were the first person I saw. I think I V-triggered Connor, Connor Casey first. But then I saw you. You just gave me a big hug and you were just like, are you okay? And I was like, yes, I'm good. And that just meant so much to me. It'll always stick with me because it was it was a rough couple of days. Yeah. Um, but you just like giving me a hug and asking, are you OK? Like it it meant a lot to me and it'll always stick with me. So I really appreciate that. And I I know I think I told you that before. If not, I'm yeah. telling you now. But thank like, you again. It will. It's something that will always stick with me. You got to look out for other people. And it's it's the reason I love Bruce Springsteen so much is that last line of Born to Run. It's a someday, girl, I don't know when we're going to get to that place we really want to go. And I stand by that. Someday, I don't know when we're going to get to that place. You're going to get through whatever is damaging you or holding you back. And sometimes you just need people to encourage you along the way. And, you know, I love your work. I love you. I love your family. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for your friendship and appreciative of you even for all the grief you've given me uh, for, for my, my hair and face and everything. I love your hair. I know your you face do. Is That's true. <laughs> John Alba, let everybody know where they can find you at. Uh, the extreme life of Matt Hardy drops every single Friday, wherever you get your podcast and extremehardy.com strictly business drops every single Thursday or based on whatever Eric Bischoff's taping schedule is wherever you get your podcast and 83 weeks.com out of bounds every Monday night on the know your news network and the one thing that i think and i just want to put this over real quick i know you got to go wrestling according to alba.com it is my patreon but i stand by it this is the smartest group of wrestling fans i have ever met in my entire life it is an inclusive space that if you're looking for a safe space to talk about pro wrestling without judgment it's an amazing community and i do tape studies every single week there in addition to ask albas but with these tape studies they are match breakdowns where i really try to give you some of the in ins and outs of why something happens in a wrestling match and i do it live in person with my subscribers so it's an amazing amazing platform that we have wrestling according to alba.com go check that out thank you guys for having me i love you guys and i appreciate you thank you john 
All the links are below. Everyone, check out uh, support John. Yeah, go over to the Patreon. Wrestling according to to Alba. Um, I've seen the 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 match studies, and I'm I'm a big fan of that Thank kind you. of stuff. Thank I don't you. think there is like enough of that in wrestling. I know it's a kind of a niche thing, mm-hmm. but it's it's very cool when when Thank people you. do that. So go check it out. Wrestling according to Al- Re- wrestling according to Alba, uh, and all the podcasts that John hosts. All the links are below. The the Twitter is below. All that fun stuff. John Alba, love you, buddy. Appreciate you, guys. We'll be right back here on the spotlight say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.